I stress out on tiring hands and I will not be confronted, comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the, in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out, of, out his right hand, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all, of, all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The water saw you, God. The water saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The, the clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. The thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters. Through your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. <laughs> Good morning, everyone, and uh, thank you for inviting Julie and I to join you for your service. It's always a pleasure to come up to sunny Watford and enjoy the fellowship. Thank you for uh, thank you to Malcolm and, uh, and Penny also just for extending this invitation to us, and uh, and also thank you Jaden for doing such a great job reading the main text this morning. So we're going to be in Psalm 77 today, and as you know, Psalms is a collection of uh, songs, poems, hymns. Uh, in the Hebrew, the, the original name for the book, uh, Tehillim, was uh, meant praises or songs of praises. And uh, we get the English word psalms from the Greek in Septuagint, meaning uh, psalmoi, meaning instrumental music, and by extension, the words that accompanied the instrumental music. And so uh, the psalms contains many different types of psalms. Um, you've got songs of praise and worship and adoration, often called hymns. You've got songs of lament. And uh, where the author expresses just their, uh, you know, their feelings and their emotions about particular events. And, and uh, in Psalm 77, we're going to be reading a, a psalm of Asaph. Asaph was, uh, was one of the authors in Psalms. He's, I think he wrote about 12 of them. And David wrote over 70. You've got Solomon who wrote one or two. Moses even wrote one. I think Psalms 90. But we're going to be focusing on Psalm 77, which is a psalm of lament. Do I have the control of the, uh, the PowerPoint? So, Psalm 77, the title of the message this morning is going to be, I Will Remember. Uh, honestly, it's a real joy coming here and seeing so many people that we are friends with and people that we recognize, but it's also uh, a little bit shocking just to see some of the children and how much they've grown, especially when you've not seen them for a number of years. And so, to, it's, it's a pleasure seeing Sophie playing the, uh, the piano for us this morning, uh, she normally goes to the, uh, the Northwest uh, Congregation Church. And, and, uh, but I, I, I think I, last time I saw Sophie, she was somewhere around here. <laughs> and now she's up here, and she's just finishing off her A-levels, about to study medicine. She just happened to be here and, and, and offered to play the piano. And how gifted is that? I mean, so talented. But it's just seeing people and the children and the grown-up, and it makes you realize how the time has passed. This is a photo of... of um, my grandson. Uh, this was taken just to, uh, on Thursday. My, my daughter and uh, son-in-law, they were jetting off to France for, on holiday. 
And so I met them at the airport just to see them off. And uh, my, my grandson, Leon, he's uh, just over a year now. And this is him holding his passport. If you look carefully, you can see his, the baby photo is right there. And uh, I love this picture. I think, I, think, I think we look alike, don't you think? <laughs> no, not at all. But the wild hair, we can, we've got that in common. And here he is. Uh, this was taken on, on Friday. He's uh, sitting on a beach somewhere in, in France. And, uh, and don't you just wish that every day could be like that? Just uh, sitting on a beach in the sun, enjoying the sand. Uh, but sadly, life is not like that. Sadly, life has its challenges. It has its, uh, its storms. And, um, and when I was thinking about what to speak about today and what to share about this morning, you know, on Wednesday, I had, some, I had a number of thoughts in mind. Last week, I spoke in the East about, uh, on Acts chapter 7, and it was, the, the, um, it was the, the, uh, Stephen, the first Christian martyr, and sharing his speech to, uh, to the Sanhedrin. And, and I thought I could share some of that. And, but then I, I was thinking about coming up here and, and, and the, the, the needs and everything else, and I was thinking of sharing some things from maybe Luke, and, and then Psalms 121 and, uh, or 127 came to mind, and, and various other things. But then on Wednesday... Uh, I heard the news of the shooting in Texas of, of and 19 primary school children were killed in, in, in that horrific uh, situation. And, and, uh, and my heart was just deeply, deeply uh, touched just by the, the sad loss of life. And, and for me, I couldn't help think uh, about just the grief of the grandparents, let alone the parents, um, in that tragedy. And, and that, late that night... Uh, in our small group meeting, we were going through Psalm 77, and we were we were looking at this psalm. And Psalm 77 begins from a place of of, uh, of hopelessness, but it ends up it, it, it ends up in in a positive place. But it's um, it, it really struck a chord with me, and I was thinking about just how we can face such tragedies in life, in our own lives, but in the world as well. And it and sometimes we can question and start to think. What is going on, and why is all this happening? And it can uh, it can really have a, a deep impact on us. And you know, during times of trouble, it's really good to know where to go. And the psalmist, you know, he starts off by saying, you know, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. And 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 at least, you know, he knows where to turn during his time of mourning and during his time of grief and desperation and and, and hardship. And and it's uh, and. It's interesting because sometimes difficulties in life can hit us all in different ways. I heard about one fellow who was sharing with his minister about just some of the difficulties and challenges he was going through in life. He was talking about how hard it was and, and how he said it, it's at times like this, it, it, it's almost, it, it can almost make me lose my faith. And the minister's response was, it's at times like this, it, it, it may cause you to use your faith. And we need to know where to go. And... and and as we go through this psalm this morning together, I hope that it can help us to be able to, uh, to take away a few points about uh, how God would have us approach some of the challenges that we face in our lives and as we face in the world, to go from periods of hopelessness to periods of hope. I'm actually going to ask my wife to share a few things before I get into the text. Morning, everybody. It's lovely to be here. Um, Hi, Akin, <laughs> in the back. Um, yes, I, I um, some of you know, I really love, this sounds crazy, I love the Psalms of Lament. And the reason I love them is because I really connect to them. Um, just hearing in the scriptures somebody sharing the kind of emotions that I feel is incredibly um, 
comforting in a way, and it, it makes me feel like I'm not alone. And, um, and this psalm I particularly feel connected to um, because I think there's 20 verses in, in, the, in the psalm, and, I, and nearly half of it is actually complaint to God. You know, he's, he's really in a bad way. This is, this is a man of faith, um, but it, I think it takes, yeah, it's not until verse 3 that he actually addresses God. It's, it's a real-life prayer. I, I really connect to, you know, that he's, he's talking, he's thinking, it's God, it's, it's, there's so much going on. And, um, and he's basically saying, I'm crying out to you, God, and it's not really working. That, that's, that's kind of how he's saying. He, he doesn't feel comforted in verse 2. Um, he's remembering God, but he's kind of groaning, and he's growing faint. And in verse 4, he's having sleepless nights, um, and... He's so stressed that he can't even think straight. You know, it's too troubled to speak. And um, so th- he's obviously going through a, a huge amount. And um, we don't actually know why. Um, and that's the case in most Psalms. We actually don't know what exactly is going on. But I kind of like that because it, it allows me to drop my own challenge into the prayer and really make it mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know Mike talked earlier about... Uh, just the tragedies that have been going on just so much, um, as many of us are experiencing this COVID, there's the war and now this incredible massacre. There's so much going on that's deeply, deeply disturbing. And, um, and yes, it definitely did make me very heavy and, and feel very, um, yeah, disturbed, I think is the word, mm-hmm. on, on Wednesday. But to be quite honest and frank with you, that when I think about the times when I can feel like this, it's more, for me, an accumulation of things going on in my world. And um, it, it's, I was trying to think, when did I feel, what terrible thing happened that I could share? And I actually couldn't think of anything, because when something really bad happens to me, <laughs> this is me, I get kind of numb, and I just kind of go around like this, you know, so I, that's why I I'm not sharing about the death of my parents or, you know, really, really challenging things like that. For me, it would be things like, I've had very little sleep, I've got too many things to do, and someone's got an extra expectation of me. I'm already feeling overwhelmed, and then perhaps I press on an email, and there's some kind of curt email where someone's expressing to me that basically they don't think that I'm doing a great job. And, you know, it's it's like, and then it's the icing on the cake, and then wow, now I'm going into the darkness of my, you know, how I feel about myself and shame and, and all these kind of really overwhelming emotions start, start leaping up at me. And so it's kind of those, yeah, those low-level accumulation of smaller challenges. Um, but anyway, here this man of faith praying to God, but he wasn't feeling comforted. And, um, and I, I, I could relate to that as well because I don't know whether you find this, but sometimes when something really bad happens or we feel this way, we just want to switch off. Do you know what I mean? Oh, let me just watch TV. Oh, for me, um, on Saturday mornings at 8.15, I go to Zumba class. And I love my Zumba class. And when I come back, I'm feeling like, yes, I'm going to face the, the day. And, you know, it feels so encouraging. But that doesn't last very long, right? You know, <laughs> I have to remember, okay, I actually yes. need to have my quiet time. You know, I'm, I need to sustain myself more deeply than a quick fix. And, um, and here, I think, you know... He's saying, yeah, I'm having my quiet time. It's just not working. I'm not feeling that comforted. But um, then in verse 7, we've got a lot of questions that he asks himself. Six questions, I think. 
And um, he perseveres, that's good. And I'd like to think he's kind of asking himself very honest questions about, um, will, will the Lord reject me forever? He's really feeling down. You know, will, will he ever show his favor again to me? But then I'd like to think the questions become a bit more rhetorical towards the end. And he's thinking, actually, has God forgotten to be merciful? You know, he's kind of really thinking about it and realizing, no, this is, this is not my God. And, um, and through that, what we see in this psalm, as, as Mike will continue, is just this sustained meditation um, where he perseveres and, um, and he gets very specific about what God has done. And suddenly these words of reorientation of his heart, trusting God, come together and we see this recovery of hope, which is something that all of us need. So we see in verse 1 he cries out to God, in verse 2 he, he will not be comforted, we see there in verse 7 he's, he's questioning, will the Lord reject forever, will he never show his favour again, and, and you know what happens is when we get stressed or we are in distress, it's so easy for us to, uh, to become very polarised in our thinking, that now everything becomes black and white and, there's, and we lose all the nuances and the shades in between. Because, you know, it's a, it's a normal biological response when you're under stress for your body to, to try to focus your mind. To focus on, on typically if you're in a period of a stress, you, 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 your body releases adrenaline and you, you get into the fight, flight or, or flight or fright remote or freeze or whatever. And, and so you, you are focused on, you know, on, oh, I've got to do this, I've just got to do that. And everything becomes very kind of black and white. And, you know, we've been going through a period of stress, even in our local congregation. You know, we've been having just some difficulties and some just challenges in, um, in just really seeing eye to eye with some of the other leaders in the, in the congregation there. And, and, you know, one of the things that struck me was that when you are in this kind of mode, it's really hard to be able to listen in and to focus on other people's needs. We get so focused on this is what I need and, and you're not listening to me and, and, and I'm not listening to them and, and vice versa. And, and you become kind of like very confrontational and it's hard just to be able to take a step back and see the bigger picture. And that's what happens in periods of stress or distress. And, and so for him, it's, it's like extremes. God's rejecting us. He's, 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 you know, he's never going to be merciful again. He's lost all you know, his compassion and his, because of his anger. And, but then, in verse 11, is a bit of a, of a turning point. He says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. And this is what we did on Wednesday night in our small group. What we did was we decided to take a moment and stop and to pause and to say, why don't we all take a moment to reflect back and remember what are some of the miracles? What are some of the incredible things that God has done in our lives? And it's amazing how when you take a moment to pause and, and refocus, that it shifts everything. And uh, interestingly enough, I was, after that group, it was just a very, very positive time. It was a really a great time of encouragement. But after that group, I rang up my daughter, who's um, currently in Moldova, and she's been helping out with some of the Ukrainian refugees who are coming across the border and everything else. And, and, uh, and I shared with her, I said, hey, I just wanted to see how you're doing. I just wanted to tell you about how our small group went. And, and uh, I told her about how we were sharing about things that God had done in our, in our lives. And, and, I, and I said, you know, I was sharing about um, Julie's dad, actually. This is, this is a picture of Julie's father taking on his, uh, his 80th birthday. And he came to live with us uh, shortly after the passing of his wife, of Julie's mother. And, 
and he, he, uh, he moved into our house, I think it was back in 2012. And, uh, and I, I told Hannah, I said, Hannah, I was sharing about uh, Alex. Um, and she said, really? She said, I just did a lesson for the, 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 the sisters here in the church in Moldova. And I was also sharing about Alex, uh, my granddad, she said. And, uh, and so we were comparing stories. And we figured out that we were both sharing about Alex at exactly the same time. <laughs> And what she was sharing was just the impact he'd had on, on the whole family since coming to live with us. He, he, he moved into our house in 2012. He wasn't a Christian at the time. And in fact, when Julie uh, joined the church, she wasn't particularly supportive or positive. And, and he was even less supportive when Julie and I started going out together. And uh, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I'm such a nice guy. Um, but... Uh, it was over the years he'd seen our family grow and change, the children come along, and, and he'd soften. And, um, and then when he came to live with us, his whole demeanor changed one summer. It was when our whole family, we'd already booked to go to this, uh, this big conference over in the States in 2012. And the whole family was going, and so we had to leave Alex behind in our home on his own. And whilst we're away, many other members of, of the congregation would just drop by just to, hey, Alex, cook some food for you. Here's lunch for you. Here's dinner for you. Here's, and just and have, a, have a cup of tea and a chat. And, and he was so moved and so impacted just by the connection of members in the church. It transformed him. And so when we got back uh, from this conference, he said, I've decided that I'm going to be coming to your church every week from now on. <laughs> and he did. And then over the next uh, few months, he started studying the Bible. And then within a short period of time, a, a few months, uh, he was baptized at the age of 80 and, and became a Christian. And, that, and this is what Hannah shared in her story uh, as she was sharing with the church. Just the impact, And honestly, the impact he had was profound because at such a late stage in life, he really changed. I mean, significantly, significantly so. I mean, even to this day, Alex was a, was a police officer in the Thames Valley Police Force, and he, he, he was in that career for over 40 years. And, and, uh, and it, so he, he was used to just meeting members of the public and, and building connections and making, making relation, building relationships. And, and even now, we would go down to our local shop and people would say to me, aren't you, aren't you Alex's son-in-law? And they, they would recognise just because he would be going around telling people about his, his family and his church and inviting people to come along and... And, and so many people knew him in our area. And uh, it was honestly amazing just to see the, trans the, the transformation. It was incredible. You know, what, the, what Asaph, the, the, uh, the author of this psalm, says, he talks about how, uh, you know, that God is holy and, and God performs these amazing miracles. But, and here he refers to then God's uh, leading the Israelite nation out of captivity through the Red Sea and through into, uh, into the, the promised land. And, but he says, he says in verse 19, your path through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. Sometimes God is working in ways that we don't, we don't even recognize it at the time. He does things, he works through people, and it's only later that you realize, oh, it was the hand of God. And the thing that I shared uh, about Alex on Wednesday night was just how he had done things which we didn't discover until even after his passing. He passed away in 2017. And that was just, uh, that was an incredible loss for, for us as a family, but also uh, for the whole congregation. 
all the children in the East congregation would look up to him as their granddad. He would come to church with a bag of sweets, and, he'd give it, and he knew how to win people over. And, um, but that was a tremendous loss. But, you know, it's later on, it, we, we would discover little notes he'd left behind. Later, later on, we'd discover just little, like his, his Bible study notes. Or, and, and, and it was just really, it was just so moving and, and very, very powerful. Well, the, the year after Alex passed away, uh, my own biological uh, father passed away in 2018. And, um, in fact, this is... This is a picture of myself and our family uh, with my father. My father is, is on the left there. My father was Chinese and my mother was from the Caribbean. And um, so this, this is, as you can see, this was taken, gosh, about, I think it was 2009 when all our kids were young. And so Hannah's in between myself and my dad and then you've got my, my son is between myself and Julie and then between Julie and our daughter Sarah is my dad's uh, uh, wife or widow now. Uh, my aunt, I used to call her my aunt Elsa. And, um, and I didn't grow up with my biological father. I didn't really have that connection. I would go and stay with him uh, every so often when I was a child, maybe five or six times. Um, but I really wanted my children to know their grandfather. And so after I became a Christian, I, I reached out to him and built a relationship with him. And, and I would take the children over every year, uh, a couple times a year even, just so that they can get to know him. And uh, so when he passed away in 2018, I got the call from... Um, from one of my, uh, my, my Chinese siblings. Um, this, is a, this is a picture of, uh, of there's two of my Chinese sisters there. I'm next to uh, my Aunt Elsa, and then some of my dad's uh, nephews, nieces, cousins, and that's my, my, one of my sister's husbands, um, my brother-in-law. And this was taken uh, after the funeral in Singapore. And, I, you know, I wasn't even sure if I would attend the funeral because I didn't want to be, um, yeah, I didn't want to, to, to be a distraction in any way. My, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't born in my father's family. I was uh, out of wedlock. And, and, um, and so I rang up my aunt and I said, look, I was thinking of coming to the funeral, but I, wasn't, I didn't want to impose. And she said, oh, absolutely, you need to come. And I was still in two minds as to whether I was going to go or not. Um... And I was sharing this with one of the, uh, with one of the young interns at, back, back at that time, a brother by the name of Jack Legon, who actually is now leading in the East Congregation. And we were sat, we were sat in my, uh, in my um, dining room, and this is, this is the chair where Jack was sitting, and I was, uh, and I was sitting in another chair, and we were just talking, and behind there's some books. And we were talking about a, a lesson that he was about to prepare. And I said to him, oh, I've got a great book that you might find helpful. It's a book by Dale Carnegie, How to Gain Confidence in Public Speaking and something along those lines. And I said, let me get it for you. And so I reached behind him and pulled out this book. And as I pulled out this book, I was just flicking through to make sure this was the one I was suggesting to him. And I noticed there was a £20 note between some of the pages. And when I went through, there was a £20 note, all £20 notes all throughout the book. There was something like about £260 in this book. So, of course, I went through all the other books just, just, just to see if, if, if there was anything there. But right before this, I'd just been having a conversation with Jack about, you know, my father passed away, I'm not sure if I should go to the funeral or not. And he said, you should go. And I said, well, you know, well, number one, it, I didn't want to be a distraction, but number two, the, the cost. And he said, it, it, it's something you would regret if you missed it. And, you know, that week, I'd all, I think I just 
received a hundred pounds in the, uh, through the premium bonds, and I, I said, well, let me at least look at look up the cost of the airline ticket. And normally, the prices of airline tickets are like about you know five hundred pounds or whatever to, to Singapore, uh, especially during peak season. But there was a ticket there that was that was like three hundred and sixty pounds, and I'd already won a hundred pounds on the premium bonds, and then it was. Just a few minutes later that I opened this book and found £260 wow. in the book. And, you know, <laughs> I, was, I was sharing with Julie afterwards. I said, honey, you're never going to believe this. And, you know, we, we, by, by process of elimination, we figured out the money clearly didn't belong to any of our children. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and so it had to have been her father. Well, you know, interestingly enough, um, as I was sharing this story on Wednesday, there's one of the sisters in the small group, she said, I was there the day when Alex put the money in the book. He made me promise, don't say anything, I'm gonna hide this in here for Mike and Julie to find later. It was over a year and a half later that we found it. And it just so happened to be at just the right time. And it, he'd left this. <sighs> he'd left this behind for us, not knowing when it would be discovered. But it was clearly the invisible footprint of God working through him to meet a need. And, uh, you know, even now, as I think about it, I'm just amazed just about how God uses people to work in our lives. And sometimes we're not even aware. You know, when we become Christians, we think our path is going to be like this. <laughs> just plain sailing, <laughs> so, you know, but usually our heart is like this. <laughs> and you know, God, God uses hardships and uses challenges to mould us, to shape our characters, to help us to develop, to learn perseverance and, and to become more than we are. Because the times we grow are not during the, the times of, of when there are no challenges. The times we grow are when we have to work through the difficulties. It's when we're forced to our knees. It's when we have times of doubt and struggle when we work through these things. And it strengthens our character and it produces the perseverance which produces character, which then enables us to be able to help impact the lives of other people. And that, that's God's plan for our life. You know, this, uh, this is a, a picture on the left of the McCreary uh, family. You may have read about them on, on the website, Disciples Today. Uh, I'm familiar with them because the girl on the right, sitting at the bottom, her name's Ryan, she, when my daughter Hannah was working for uh, the, the, the church, Boston Church of Christ and living in the States for a number of years, her co-leader, the person she led with, is a fellow by the name of Tyler, and this was the, the woman he married, uh, Ryan. And they'd been married for less than a, a month, um, and she'd moved to Boston, and, and she and Hannah became very close friends. But then Hannah got a phone call saying, uh, you know, Ryan really needs you right now. And she went over and it turns out that her dad on the left, Pete McCreary, um, born the same year as me, had uh, just been killed in a motorbike accident. And um, on the right-hand side, this was at the, the, the court trial, the, uh, the, the young fella on the right with his head bowed is Logan Ryle. He, he was responsible for for Ryan's father's death. And, um, and you know, it was, uh, when you think about a tragedy like this, his, literally, 
Pete had just walked his daughter down the aisle a month before. In the last couple of years, his other two, two of his other daughters have, have just got married, and one of them walked down the aisle with a picture of her dad around the bouquet, and just, just the loss, and the, that, you know, and the, they're, they're a strong Christian family in, in, in our sister congregation in Cincinnati, and, and um, he was in the ministry at one point with his wife Judy, and, and uh, served as administrator, and, and uh, small group leader, and other things, and, and for a tragedy to strike, sometimes you can think, why? Why would something like this happen? And yet God always has a purpose. I want to show you a, a news clip from, uh, that was from the trial afterwards. And uh, this was featured on one of the news channels in the States. It's just a couple, just a couple minutes long. That day, he took half of my life. He shattered my heart. He took my present and our future. A future this family envisioned would be filled with graduations, weddings, mission trips, and service. But the man at the center of it all, Pete McCreary, was taken from his wife and four children too soon. I never thought I would have to look into the faces of my children and tell them the things I had to tell them that night. Their father was killed on his way home from work last summer. 24-year-old Logan Rail crashed into McCreary on Westchester Road. McCreary had been riding his motorcycle. My daughter, worried that her dad was late coming home, followed to find my friends out and came upon the ice. In court, family and friends talked about their pain. The man who killed my father was the biggest hole in my heart that will never be fixed. But also shared stories in McCreary. He wasn't just another person, he was the, the best person I've ever known in my life. He was a mentor, a man who gave back to the community and always made time for others. This man that I knew as a close friend had touched so many people kid, in the world. Above all, Pete McCreary was a family man. I also grieve the loss of my father's hopes and dreams that he will not make to fulfill because of a distracted driver's mistake. A driver who apologized today. I am so extremely sorry for what has happened. He was just an amazing man, and, and he lost his life early. But Logan, I do want you to know that I forgive you. My brother will forgive you. And the driver said what happened is going to haunt him for the rest of his life. His attorney made it a point to say what happened was an accident. You know, he wasn't texting, he wasn't drinking, none of that. One thing I do want to share, after the court proceeding in the lobby, I witnessed something so powerful that it brought many people to tears. The daughters, McCreary's daughters, went up to the driver. They hugged him and they comforted him. Just shows you what type of family that is. Pretty line Westchester, Kevin Johnson, WOWT, News 5. The, after the, the trial and their family had the opportunity to share, Ryan and her sisters, they saw the driver who was responsible for killing, for the death of their father, and they went and they hugged him. The young man, uh, Scott McCreary, that you, you saw, who turned around in the court and said to Logan, I forgive you, my brother would forgive you. He, he used to be part of the church, and he'd left. He'd left his faith, he'd left the God, he'd left the church. But he said, you know, the loss of his brother just really made him rethink his life. Mm -hmm. And within six months, he'd, he'd found his faith again and had been restored back into the fellowship. Yeah. You know, the Bible tells us, remember. Remember those earlier days. When you had endured in a great conflict full of suffering, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lost in possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will 
be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised. This was written to disciples who were struggling under persecution and were tempted to go back to an old, their old faith of Judaism so they could avoid the persecution being visited on the Christian faith. But the writer says you've got to remember. Remember the struggles. Remember the times when you stood firm. He says you need to persevere so that you, you, you will receive what is promised. And then he goes on to, in the chapter of 11, the hall of fame of, of faith in Hebrews, and he shares about people who, through faith, were able to overcome. And then in chapter 12, he says, we are surrounded by such this great cloud of witnesses. And so we also, we need to run our race with perseverance. He says that we need to fix our eyes on Jesus so that we do not grow weary and lose heart. You know, what we are called today is to, re to remember. Remember what God has done. To run our race with perseverance. And if we can simply run with perseverance, we can make it. And, and someone said to me, if you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, crawl. If you can't crawl, find someone to carry you. But just remember, and God will be waiting there. You don't need to win the race. You just need to finish. And God will be waiting to give us such an incredible welcome. And he says that we will receive the victor's crown. And hear the words, well done, good and faithful son.